All right, thanks, Scott Shannon. Glad you're with us. Toll free, our number is 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza? Well, looks like kids in cages are back. Not cages this time. Not They look a little like a mobile home, but they're not mobile homes. You know those big cargo containers, these, these big shipping cargo containers that you see at the docks, wherever, if you've seen images, if you haven't been there yourself. Yeah, the kids are in there with bars on the tiny windows that they have. And the big lie of the media was Donald Trump has kids in cages. The cages were built by Biden and Obama in 2014. The images, the mob, the media showed at the time. Yeah, those were images from the Biden-Obama administration. Unbelievable, breathtaking, sick, ugly, twisted hypocrisy on every level. More testimony. Oh, the insurrection was pre-planned. Uh, okay, that's why you don't have a snap impeachment. That's why you do an investigation first. That's why you get your facts first. We'll get to that today. Um, we're going to go into great detail of what is the radical democratic socialist biggest power grab. And that is how they want to forever change elections and how they take place in this country. We'll get we'll get to all of that. Um, and we have a lot of other details that we've got to get to. The coronavirus, Fauci, Cuomo, big trouble for both of them. I'm, I've had it with Fauci. I've tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. I tried. The guy spent decades of his life trying to help save lives. This guy has been more wrong more often than anybody else. Now he's playing politics in pretty much every interview. And the person that did a lot more right than he did ended up being Donald Trump. The governors that got it right, it wasn't Cuomo with his big PowerPoints and Gavin Newsom. No, it ended up being people like Ron DeSantis in Florida with a much higher elderly population. And he, he the one thing that remained consistent and he stayed most dedicated to was protecting the elderly. And it worked. Vaccine distribution. A buddy of mine in Florida got it at their local Publix grocery store. What the hell am I doing living in this state of New York? I don't know. I'm out of my mind. I need to renegotiate my contract like yesterday. Um, all right. So we got a lot to get to today. So when when we were in the election season and I started playing these montages about Joe Biden, we all these truths to be self-evident, all men are created and women are created equal, endowed by the the thing. Oh, you know the thing, the thing, the thing, the thing, the thing. And then, uh, you know, we choose truth over facts. <laughs> Does that mean the Super Thursday? And uh, the, the, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I said all throughout the campaign, you know, he's in the candidate protection program hiding in his basement bunker. I, I, I was telling you the truth. You had big tech protecting any negative stories. There was a poll out in the last week that showed that about one in six voters that voted for Biden likely would have voted differently had they known what big tech was covering up for Joe and zero experience Hunter. Okay, well, that was an effort at at protecting Joe Biden because their their one commonality is their rage and psychotic hatred of all things Donald Trump. And then I said, this this guy, he's lost. If he ever had a fastball, he lost it. He doesn't even have a changeup or a slow pitch at this point. 
The guy that I saw four years ago when he left office, or you go back 10 years and you play a tape of Joe Biden, it is a dramatic decline in terms of he looks weak and I'm allowed to have my own observations, right? And they didn't say much during the campaign, as I often referred to Joe as weak and frail and struggling cognitively. And I stand behind it today. All of a sudden, he becomes president. All these articles start showing up. The hate Hannity crowd out there, which is pretty much every second, every minute, every hour of every day, which I don't care about. But, you know, Hannity, can you believe he called Joe Biden weak and frail? Well, let me be very blunt here. Uh, Bernie Sanders doesn't look weak and frail to me. I know he had a heart attack, but you know what? People recover from heart attacks. He seems like he's got it all together. He's pushing his radical socialism, redistributionism, statism, authoritarianism as passionately as he's ever done. I don't see a single change in Bernie Sanders from 10 years ago. None. Same energy level, same passion. He's, he's equally as articulate and, and, and pushing his liberal views. And, you know, Donald Trump's, you know, he's around the same age. This guy's got more energy than, than, than 50 guys 30 years old. It's insane. I don't see that in Joe. I see that he's weak and frail, and I see that he is struggling cognitively. So, the, you know, the latest example, I mean, this guy, pretty bizarre, is, you know, he's in the middle of an interview. He loses his place. And then it admits that he, I always carry around the, the, the cheat sheet. Listen to this. I promise you we are going to together beat this. And, uh, and I think that uh, I, uh, you know, but the idea that um, over 500, I think it's, I have a card. I carry a card with me every day with the total number of folks who have been affected by the uh, as of uh, yesterday, there were 500,071 people who have died from this. My hand, what? My handlers give me a card. It's kind of easy to remember the number. We've lost a half a million people in this country from COVID. Just like when he was giving out the statistics. By the summer, we're going to give three, we're going to have 300 Americans vaccinated by summer. And over the summer, let me be clear. And then he says it again with the same mistake that 300 Americans will get the vaccine. Uh, huh? This is like an everyday event with him. Now, I'm not making a medical diagnosis. I don't know anything about Joe except my observations that he looks weak and he looks frail and that he's, he's struggling cognitively in ways that I never saw before. I mean, well, what's on the note card? Is it does he print out his name and address and contact information for for Jill Biden, his wife? You know, my address is 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. If he ever gets lost, you know, I, it's it's a little scary to me. And I'm going to tell you something. Don't think for a second. It's a couple of things I'm worried about because there's a lot of evil in the world stage, a lot of hostile regimes, a lot of hostile actors. You could start with Putin and Russia. You can go to President Xi and China. You can go to the mullahs in Iran and start there. Other countries, we're going to be making these countries rich as we now get out of the energy business. And in the meantime, Americans are out of work, but we'll be legalizing, you know, 11, 12, 15 million illegal immigrants that'll be competing for 
the few jobs that show up that are available as a result of the pandemic and draconian shutdowns and businesses closing their doors forever and rebuilding the economy. So now that's just going to drive wages down. But with such callousness and a stroke of a pen, we're taking away career, high paying career jobs with with skills, a, a skill specific set of of tr- of trained you know, in, uh, trained fellow Americans, I, it kills me that they're losing their job. It, it, it just, it, with the callousness by which, well, we want you to get another union job with uh, with uh, benefits. Okay, where? Tell me where it's, how, how do I get that job at the same pay with the same benefits now that I've given up working, what, 30 years of my life? And and I want to send my kids to college and I'd like to have a little bit more than Social Security in my bank account when I finally retire on how crap. I just bought a new house and a new truck. It's killing it with just callousness. The whole everybody that speaks about it. Oh, the Green New Deal is more important. No, it's not more important to them. It's not. And this is now what's happening. You know, I uh, now here's a strange thing that happened here. You've got dozens of House Democrats want Biden. Now, we have a constitution. I know Joe Biden doesn't even want to factor in that we have supposedly co-equal branches of government. We do have this other branch of government known as the legislative branch. He himself had once said, and we played it many times, that he's not a dictator. I need the votes. I got to get the votes. Well, he's not getting the votes with all the executive actions he's pushing forward. And now there's a little thing called the Constitution. We have one commander in chief. That's the president. Now you got about three dozen House Democrats signing a letter asking Biden. Now, I've never heard about this at any point, And I've been now in, on radio 33 years. I've been on Fox 25. I can't recall a time or even reading about a time where people are saying that that they want the president to renounce the sole authority as commander-in-chief. You'll hear about the nuclear football, but to renounce his sole authority to launch nuclear weapons, according to these reports. And a promise from the president to give up his nuclear capabilities as commander-in-chief would take away the, the, the same power from future presidents. No, that, that, we have a constitution. You don't get to just shred it like that. But my question is, why did Democrats, not even Republicans, why are Democrats saying this? I mean, it's getting very, very frustrating. Got a report out today as if the 150, you know, billion dollars, million dollars, billion, I forget what it was, in cash and other currency that they dropped on the tarmac for the mullahs in Iran. Well, now they want... It was now they're asking the Biden administration working with South Korea, consulting them so that they will release seven billion dollars in assets to Iranian mullahs. That defied the, quote, agreement of the last time and are back to enriching uranium. And they're going if we don't stop them soon, they're going to get nuclear weapons. Why do you think that Donald Trump was able to get all these peace deals in the Middle East with the UAE and, and, and all the why is there an alliance that five years was unthinkable before with the Saudis and the Egyptians and or Jordanians and and America and Israel and UAE? Why? Because all of them see 
the existential threat that is Iran and all fear Iranian hegemony in, in the region and all know that the Iranian mullahs, yeah, they're a convert or die group of people running that country. That's why they're all aligned and partnering even with Israel. Alliances we never saw possible before. And now we're going to pressure the South Koreans to release $7 billion to the mullahs in Iran? This is insanity. AP reporting that their early efforts, they want to resurrect the deal that gave them 150 its billion and cash and other currency. Unreal. And Biden can't even approve a statewide disaster for, for all of Texas. You know, we'll, we'll only do 70 of the 264 counties. Maybe add an additional 31. Big deal. It's the whole state that needs assistance. Anyway, they want Biden to relinquish sole control of the nuclear arsenal. Why don't we just take the Constitution and shred the damn thing? Because that's pretty much what you're asking them to do. He's the command. We have one commander in chief. One. What do they know that we don't know? Why would Democrats want that? It's bizarre. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program? We're gonna, oh, Peter Ducey of Fox devastated uh, Jen Psaki. I'm going to get into this whole immigration issue on the other side of this. By the way, T-minus nine, John Kerry saying nine years left to save the Earth. And there's no new timeline for the apocalypse. Kerry says humanity has nine years left. Well, maybe he ought to communicate that to China India, you know, people that aren't a part of this ridiculous uh, Paris Climate Accord because they're viewed as developing nations and we bear the brunt of financing this to the tune of hundreds of millions and millions of dollars. Uh, You know, we end up paying, China pays next to nothing. Next to nothing. Why would we, why why did they get developing nation status? When they're the by far bigger polluters than we are here in the U.S., as we've actually done a, a good job, according to the scientists, the experts. Um, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, I'm looking at all of this. I, I am. I just can't get this out of my head that Democrats don't want want Biden to unilaterally. And I mean, think about this unilaterally give up his role as commander-in-chief. By the way, they're also Joe Biden weighing executive order on, on gun control. $7 billion in Iranian assets. They're pressuring South Korea to hand over to the Iranians. Uh, there was a Washington Times piece how the Biden team colluded with Iran to foil Trump diplomacy. I've been reading about this for days. I just haven't had time to bring it up. That while the president was trying to pressure Iran into giving in and, and sanctions, et cetera, et cetera, and get the U.N. to have sanctions. John Kerry, apparently, and some people in Biden's team were meeting with the English-speaking foreign minister of Iran, Mohammad Zarif, meeting with Robert O'Malley, Obama's Middle East advisor. John Kerry, apparently part of uh, all of this. Well, that's a direct undermining of a. American foreign policy. If it happened under Donald Trump, guess what? That would be viewed as, you know, some type of illegal contact, uh, 
contact and there would be consequences. All right, we're going to get to this devastating question by Peter Ducey next. 25 till the top of the hour, 800 Sean. You want to be a part of this uh, extravaganza. Top of the hour, all things simple man Bill O'Reilly will join us. Um, now, there's this, what's now developing on the southern border is, is extremely serious and significant. Now, all of these policies, first and foremost, you must understand, well, we'll get people pretty much the, the, the Biden plan will try and get as many people as citizens to have eligibility within three years. Wow. What happens in year four? Oh, that would be an election. How convenient. But that's just a cynical part of me. I'm sure there's no connection at all whatsoever in any way. Now, we have ICE and Border Patrol. Literally, they, they just stopped construction. More, By the way, more people out of work. So then you're going to legalize millions and millions of people that didn't respect our laws and our sovereignty and our borders. And, and that's part of the plan. The catch and, and release is back. ICE can't even detain people the way they used to. But, it, but it, So it's all basically everything what we thought would happen. You got the House and Senate. GOP is you got Biden's, I guess, what's this guy's name? Uh, the former California Attorney General Xavier Becerra is going to be Health and Human Services Secretary. Yeah, he, he voiced his support for taxpayer funded health care benefits for illegal immigrants. As if we can really afford that on top of the horrific pandemic bill that they're they're ramming through monies of which won't be spent till 2022 or 2024 and every liberal pet socialist project dream is included i mean it's just it's just an atrocious bill waste fraud and abuse not earmarked for the people that desperately need help that have been waiting for the help that aren't getting the help I mean, what has Biden really done in the in the first month in office? Not a whole lot, except sign executive orders put in front of him. So you got the situation now unfolding at the southern border. You've got the head of ICE and others now warning to expect a massive influx of illegal immigration into the country. Uh, we don't have the stay in Mexico policy that that's being cast aside with everything else. You're going to now Biden vowing to allow more refugees into the U.S. All in the middle of a pandemic where millions of Americans desperately need jobs. And with the stroke of a pen, he's eliminating thousands and thousands of high paying career jobs in the energy sector, taking away jobs from the people that are actually involved in building the border wall. They're now they're, they've got their pink slips, too. And, you know, illegal crossings are way up. Now, this also includes children under the age of 18, which is forcing the Biden administration. They now have had to open what they're calling an emergency facility for children, or as the media used to call it under Trump, kids in cages. This time, they're not even in a way they look like a mobile home and some mobile homes. I've been in mobile homes, so, you know, can be actually very, very nice. But these aren't mobile homes. They look a little bit like them, but they're not. They're shipping containers. You know, big shipping containers. If you go to the docks in New York or any of the the ports of entry where ships bring in whatever their whatever supplies or products that they're going to be selling in the U.S., 
those big ones, they use the big crane, they lift them up, they put them out, unload them, etc. Yeah, so they've taken those shipping containers with the tiniest of windows that they have bars on the windows, bars on them. And the Washington Post just refers to them as a migrant facility for children. Migrant facility for children. What if Donald Trump put kids in cargo ships with bars on the windows? You think that's how the mob and the media would react? Now, when they were talking about Donald Trump and kids in cages, remember, that all started. Those cages were built by Biden and Obama. That was 2014. They were the ones that built the cages for kids. And that's when Obama encountered them at that time, a massive wave of caravans, etc., unaccompanied minors. And then to process and house these migrants. Well, it was Biden Obama that acquired a warehouse and they used chain link fence cages to divide children from adults. Then in the following years, Donald Trump becomes president. He inherits the cages. Anyway, they continued to use the facility that Biden Obama built for unaccompanied minors. Well, that temporary, in other words, the exact same thing Biden and Obama did. Their parents were being, in many cases, prosecuted for crimes. It was a temporary holding facility. Children were housed usually for less than a week. Then all of a sudden, in 2018, even though they were built in 2014 and used by Biden and Obama in 2014, the mob and the media, well, they 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 unearthed photos and started circulating them, showing children behind chain link fencing. As it turns out, many of those photos were from the Obama Biden era, not from the Trump era built by Biden and Obama. Truth doesn't matter. The media mob went nuts because if they can smear, slander, besmirch, attack, scratch that psychotic itch of theirs to hate Donald Trump every second, every minute, every hour of every day. You know, Donald Trump is putting children in cages. He's a mean spirited, hateful Republican. The same playbook every two, four years, Republicans, racist, sexist, misogynist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic. They want dirty air and water and to kill grandma, throw over a cliff. Washington Post wrote that the chain link fencing was a symbol of mistreatment of Donald Trump. Kamala Harris called it immoral and wrong and unnecessary. Why didn't she say that about Biden and Obama? Biden said it was one of the darkest moments in our history. You built the damn thing. Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez visited one of the facilities in the Trump years at the border. She cried in front of a photographer while clinging to a chain link fence. President Trump then, okay, saw what was going on, ended the child separation policy, closed the South Texas facility for renovations. Now, thanks to the Biden administration, they build a new facility for children cargo shipping containers with bars on the windows. Imagine if Donald Trump built those tiny shipping containers housing underage kids. But the Washington Post praises the facilities, highlights all of it and the great amenities. You know, it has it's a colorful trailer at the entryway where flowers and butterflies and handmade posters hang on its walls. Oh, 
That's how we're going to describe the shipping container with bars on the windows for kids. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they would treat Donald Trump the exact same way. Peter Ducey had a chance to ask the White House press secretary, Jen Psaki, about this. This is how it went down. It's the same facility that was open for a month in the Trump administration, summer 2019. That is when Joe Biden said, under Trump, there have been horrifying scenes at the border of kids being kept in cages. And Kamala Harris said, uh, basically, babies in cages is a human rights abuse being committed by the United States government. So how is this any different than that? We very much feel that way. It's not under Trump. It's under Biden. This is not kids being kept in cages. This is this is kids. This is a facility that was opened that's going to follow the same standards as other HHS facilities. It is not a replication. Certainly not. That is never our intention of replicating the immigration policies of the past administration. Now listen to the media mob again, spokespeople for all things liberal, radical, democratic, socialist. President Trump, as you know, is facing an onslaught of bipartisan outrage over his administration's new policy, which is resulting in hundreds, if not thousands, of children being taken from their families if they cross the border illegally. As the country sees these startling images of children being taken from their parents and put in chain link pens of sorts. Well, the images suggest those of concentration camps, families being cut apart. I know children are being marched away to showers, being told they are just like the Nazis. Increasingly, Donald Trump is turning this nation into Nazi Germany and turning these into concentration camps. David joins us now. David, tell us, what did you see? Yo, we saw people in cages. They looked like animal kennels. They were cages, but they looked like kennels, if you will, that animals would be in. What's happening is very American in that this is how the country was founded. This is what happened 76 years ago to uh, Japanese Americans in internment camps. All of us are so concerned. We see these heartbreaking images uh, and it's it's so so awful the president uh, has taken hostages essentially in both a sort of metaphorical and literal sense 2600 children separated from their parents through an act of the president and his administration and now is using right, them now, I, I as gotta, leverage I, I gotta to interrupt this only because i could play it for the rest of the show that's how bad the coverage was now we got shipping cargo containers described by the same mob as colorful trailers at the entryway where flowers and butterflies and handmade posters hang on its walls. Shipping cargo containers with bars on the window. Wonder if, I wonder if Donald Trump did it. How would that be described? They're beautiful. The best shipping containers money can buy. Bars on the windows, butterflies on the walls. Can't wait for Jen Psaki to circle back on this one with whatever spin that the media, of course, will pick up and echo as their own. I mean, these open border policies, green light, you know, that means it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. Now, now what's going to happen to wages? If you happen to be one of those guys that had a good union job, what's going to happen to you? You're going to get a new, new, great junior, uh, uh, great new job. A union job that pays well, that has great benefits, retirement, health care. No, you're not. Because now you're going to be competing against all the people out of work for the pandemic and all the businesses that close and put people out of work because of draconian shutdown measures, mostly of Democrats. And then you're going to have to compete with illegal immigrants, inexpensive labor. It's going to drive wages down. You'll barely be able to afford to put food on the table when all is said and done. It's unbelievable. 
You think the power grab is that bad there? I keep warning you about H.R. 1. They, you, the Democratic Party, they call it the For the People Act. It's not for the people, but it's for the Democratic Radical Socialist. H.R. 1, Section 4, Clause 1. Our Constitution says the times, places, manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. But the Congress may at any time, by law, make or alter such regulations except as to the places of choosing senators. Well, you know what that means? There's some really bad things in here. They will now have, they'll create automatic voter registration. All across the country, they will expand early mail-in balloting. They will get rid of, uh, they want to restore the rights of felons to vote by mail. I mean, it's insanity. Democrats will swing every election they possibly can with these new COVID-inspired voting methods, including, oh, nothing such as a voter ID like you need to get into a Democratic National Convention or would need to get into the Capitol, fascinatingly enough, which is surrounded by a wall with razor wire on top. I thought Democrats told us walls don't work. It works well enough to use at the Capitol, which I'm not against, because we got to protect our, until we come up with a better answer, because they, they had the intelligence. We're now learning, oh, is anything but spontaneous? That they had intelligence, the FBI had it days before. And nobody listened to the police chief who was begging for the National Guard, begging. Couldn't I couldn't understand why they wouldn't listen to him. Each state restricting what happens in legislatures following census years. They're trying to make it so that they'll never lose another election. That's what what do you think D.C. statehood is all about? And Puerto Rico statehood is all about, you know, they're going to they're going to force, quote, honest ad policies. <laughs> OK, is the, who's going to be the honesty police? Nancy Pelosi, Ocasio-Cortez, Joe Biden. You know, then, of course, they want to get rid of Citizens United. Well, that's called the free speech issue. Still exists. Last time I checked Then they want to expand out. Uh, all of these issues for registration. That is basically the Republicans never win another election uh, people's act. We can call it that. That, That's what it is. Democrats call it the People's Act. For the People Act. For the liberal socialist people. Everyone else, forget it. Not going to work for you. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN. Toll-free telephone number. It's worse than I thought it would be. I wish I could be a little bit more optimistic, but I'm just not. I'll let it skin it, simple man. It can only mean one thing. All things BillOReilly.com. Says he's a simple man. Not exactly how I would describe him. I still get a kick out of it. I think he really does believe it. Mr. O'Reilly, sir, how are you? Well, if I'm not simple, um, what am I? Am I <laughs> very complicated? Just the I opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, let me play something about Joe Biden. Now, I'm getting the crap kicked out of me, even though I, I said at the entire campaign, Joe looks weak. He looks frail and he's obviously cognitively struggling. 
Everybody I talk to, even media mob people and Democrats, privately they tell me, yeah, every time he opens his mouth, they're like on pins and needles. So he's in this interview yesterday. I guess I don't know, he admits that he, he has a, a, a card that he carries around him so he could remember, you know, certain little things. And let me play it for you. I promise you we are going to together beat this. And, uh, and I think that uh, I, uh, you know, but the idea that um, over 500, I think it's, I have a card, I carry a card with me every day with the total number of folks who have been affected by the, uh, as of uh, yesterday, there were 500,071 people who have died from this. 500,000. So Joe, everybody knows that. It's not like something that's hard to remember, Bill. And what else is on the card? His name, his address, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, uh, contact information for Dr. Jill Biden. I mean, uh, Hunter's speed dial number what? I mean, that's a little scary to me. Is, am, am, I, well, am I off base here? You can uh, tell me. No, that. no. I mean, also on the card, and I don't think anybody knows this, is what time you're on the Fox News Channel every night. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, no, he, but, but no, no, Bill. 9 p.m. Eastern time, <laughs> Hannity on the card, so he doesn't miss it. Bill, Look, he's, um, got, he's got warm milky at, at 7, lights out yeah. at 7.30. I don't know, lights out, he's in his jammies, but I mean, maybe he's, you know, on the phone. But look, People get uh, mad whenever I talk about this, it cracks me up. No, I'm not, I'm not talking about Joe Biden because I don't know what his circumstance is, but I, my mother uh, experienced cognitive decline, and, and she uh, was in Levittown in her uh, final years, so I, I know what that is. And what happens if you don't have full-blown Alzheimer's or, or dementia, is that when older people get tired, all right, they become a little befuddled. Now, I'm generalizing here. Some older people are very sharp. I mean, look at Mel Brooks. The guy's like 93, and he's still... Hey, look at Bernie Sanders, for crying out loud. I'll be fair. You know, he was communist, socialist. I mean, he's got a ton of energy, and he's cognitively... You know, you know, is the same as he was. I just noticed a decline. I'm not making a medical. No, diagnosis. no. I think when he gets tired, when Biden gets tired, he gets uh, befuddled. And I mean, you could say on that soundbite, <laughs> he lost his train of thought. Uh, he couldn't recall the 500,000 deaths from COVID, um, and he was probably tired. Now, is he unable to function? No, he, he can function. But here's, here's my analysis of Biden, and you can really take this to the bank. He is not, at this point, in charge of the presidency. He's not in charge of the executive branch. He isn't. He's being told... Look, Mr. President, this is what we have to do today. Here's how we'd like to do it, and here's why we're doing it. This is what he's being told by his staff, and he's very compliant. He was in the campaign. I mean, this guy ran a campaign that no other presidential candidate, with the possible exception of William McKinley, the immoral William McKinley, who didn't move off his Ohio porch, the guy was, just wouldn't campaign, but Biden just wouldn't go out 
And that was by design. So make it all about Trump. Trump's running against himself or for himself. I'm going to stay in the basement. What other presidential candidate would have done that? And the reason that that happened was because his staff knew on a daily grind basis that Joe Biden could not stand up to campaigning. He couldn't. They kept him away. And that's what they're doing in the presidency. It's exactly what they're doing. This is the danger, and this is what I tried to point out during the campaign, that that you can't have, I called it the candidate protection program, and that, that protection was provided by Democrats, the, what I call the media mob, because they have a mob mentality, and big tech companies that wouldn't even run a real story uh, as it relates to this laptop, which has now been confirmed, uh, and, and they protected him. And when he did come out, it was pretty obvious. I feel I would say it this way, that whatever spring in his step that he had 10 years ago is gone. And even I would say I see a a pretty dramatic, again, not a medical diagnosis in any way. He's he's just he's he's lost a lot of energy and he looks so frail and weak and confused to me so often and. I do agree with you that his staff is putting stuff in front of him, sign this, sign this, sign this. And I, I don't think that he is as engaged as I would like an American president engaged, even though he's you know, adopting, especially as he's adopting every radical socialist policy that he can. That's because he's doing what he's told to do. And this is what they're telling him to do. It's not that he, um, if they told him tomorrow, you know, it may not be really good to destroy the American oil industry and the fossil fuel industry because this summer we're going to have blackouts in all these states and they're going to blame you, Mr. President, which is absolutely going to happen. Okay, so maybe uh, we reverse your executive order about the Keystone Pipeline. Biden had signed that in five seconds. What did it's you think? Like he, now, this, do you believer. think there's any connection to this? I don't know what to think of this. You have all these House Democrats calling on Biden to give up full control of nuclear weapons. Now, the commander in chief, it's very clear, is the president of the United States. It's a that that power is given to one person. Why? You got three dozen House Democrats calling on Biden to relinquish that sole authority. If he wanted to ever, God forbid, I mean that sincerely, launch a nuclear weapon. Well, I mean, I don't know what the motivation for that is, um, why they want to take that power away from the executive branch. Again, Joe Biden's not going to launch anything unless Barack Obama tells him to. And, you know, people will go, O'Reilly, you know, I, I don't have any problem with Barack Obama. I covered him fairly. He did some good things. He did some bad things. But if you don't think Barack Obama's running the show, you're crazy. I mean, Susan Rice is his best friend. And that's Biden's top domestic advisor. You don't think that there's stuff going on every single day from Barack Obama to Joe Biden? Come on. What, what, what scares me is if you look at his chief of staff, this guy, Ron Klain, he's got an agenda. There was a report of all, all the people that he's talking to. He's talking to Bernie Sanders and, and AOC and the squad and the, and the hard radical left. Look, there's never been a political party that ran on a more radical agenda than than this current Democratic Party. 
And you you even see now with all these executive orders, the implementation of everything yeah, that, sure, that sure. we predicted they would do. But that's um, actually good for many of the listeners of your program today, because the overreach into these radical left precincts is going to come back in two years. It's going to be pretty apparent to everybody that the Biden administration is afraid of the radical left. That's going to be pretty apparent because we're already paying a tax that every single working American is paying. It's 50 cents a gallon more right now on Long Island where I am and you are than it was when Biden was inaugurated for a gallon of gasoline. 50 Terrible. cents more. You know what the right. most you know you know what offends me the most of all of this and there's a lot. I mean now they're trying, they're forcing South Korea to give up seven billion dollars so they can give even more money to the mullahs in Iran. That infuriates me, but it really infuriates me the the, the casual way that they have sent pink slips to to people that work in the energy sector, Keystone XL pipeline, they'll cancel the Dakota pipeline, cancel all exploration in Anwar. These are high paying, highly skilled career jobs, and they, they nonchalantly just go on and say, oh, you'll get another union job. Yeah. While yeah. they're also having, you know, legalizing 11 plus million people competing for any job that's available. Well, Governor Christie Noem of South Dakota wrote a piece today saying exactly the same thing you just said. And uh, the governor is uh, a legitimate contender for the Republican uh, nomination for president four years from now. She'll run, I think. Um, and she basically said, look, my state is getting destroyed by this theoretical. There was no reason for him to do that. Why, what was the reason of him uh, suspending the XL pipeline. For what reason? That oil is going to be exported to countries that have to have it. Like, who's going to sell it to them now? Maybe Iran? Maybe Russia? What do you think? They're not going to buy the oil in Nigeria? They have their own oil, but they're not going to buy it in Thailand? Hey, Bill, I mean, this, th these it's policies are making... You know, hostile regimes like Russia and the mullahs in Iran and countries in the Middle East that hate us and China. These policies are making these countries rich again. Every American, you rightly point out, we're paying a lot more already at the pump. We're going to pay a lot more to heat and cool our homes. Yep. Every American's going to be impacted greatly by all of this. And and this these jobs, uh, we tried this bill. It's called Solyndra and other green energies, and they don't work. I, if they make them work one day, and we can get inexpensive, cheap energy that is reliable, count me in. But as of today, the lifeblood of the world's economy, oil, gas, coal, and nuclear, but we can't even touch that no, idea. But you can do the simultaneous development of uh, alternative fuels and not, you know, have people freezing to death in Texas. Um, and, and this is, you know, but they're afraid. They're afraid of the Green New Deal people, they being the Biden administration. They don't want 
to have to fight that war. They want to just capitulate to them. Now, if you had a president who was, you say, I'm a simple man, who was simple common sense, he would say, you know, I don't think I'm going to wipe out 10,000 jobs in the fossil fuel industry in the first two months, and I don't think I'm going to make Americans pay a buck more for a gallon of gas. Um, I'm going to ease in. I'm going, to, I'm going to get there in a methodical, disciplined way. Are we seeing that? But again, this overreach is going to allow the Republican Party, I think that still exists, an opportunity two years from now. Because even the dimmest American is going to know, I don't have as much money as I used to have because I'm paying so much for energy and I can't really find a job because the job market's going to shrink. Well, there's one other factor here, and that's H.R. 1. And I know you're familiar with it. You know, this this is this is now the Democrats, for example, uh, including uh, components that would, for example, create automatic voter registration. They don't want any voter ID at all whatsoever. Um, they don't no. they want more mail in balloting, which even the New York Times acknowledged lends itself to corruption and so many others. That's what they want. And they want to silence voices like ours that they've always wanted to do. But now you've got literal the, the FCC has to come out and say uh, canceling voices you don't like. That's not the United States of America, but they are pursuing it. A couple of congressmen. And more than that, I mean, the corporations, that's where they're, they're never going to oh, get yeah. legislation to take conservative voices off the media air. That'll never happen. But they can intimidate corporations. And, you know, in uh, Silicon Valley, they don't have to be intimidated because they're all in that left-wing precinct. And they're more than happy to silence people they disagree with. You know that's what? a real They're going to be on our rocking chairs one day. And we're going to be in cognitive decline one day. BillOReilly.com. You've been on your A-game all day today, Mr. O'Reilly. Uh, you brought you brought your A-game. Good job. Thank you. Thank for And I really appreciate you having me on, Sean. Thank you. Yeah, every time. We appreciate it. Uh, 800-941-SEAN. Toll-free number. We'll get to your calls next. Jim Gray will get an update. He's known Tiger Woods since he's seven. We'll talk about that. Other sports news. Uh, and a lot of your calls coming up in the final hour and a half of this show. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. So everything we've been telling you about immigration is true, and a lot of this now is, is, is coming to the consciousness of the American people. Now, remember when, for example, Democrats... They were all over the media mob, all over Donald Trump because he he put children in cages. Well, it was actually the videos they often used were videos that were taken when Joe was vice president and Obama was actually president uh, president. And, you know, the Trump's kids in cages. Well, uh, excuse me. That was never accurate. That was never true. We have video going back to 2014. When Biden Obama encountered a massive wave of migrant caravans with a lot of unaccompanied minors, and yep, they put them in those warehouses. They used the chain link fence, the cages, to divide children from adults. Now, it did continue in the Trump years in the beginning. By the way, Donald Trump stopped that. It was a temporary holding facility where kids were housed for less than a week, and the media became 
you know, all against Donald Trump as if he had created the policy. That wasn't true. Well, now we have the chain link fencing. Well, now they've, they've taken it to another level. We and even it got the attention of Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez. And that is that they've got these. I don't, I don't even know if you want to call them a mobile home, but they've got bars on the windows. Let's put it that way. And yeah, the child separation policy is back. And we have ICE leaders now saying you better buckle up because there's going to be mass migration into this country. And then, of course, orders that they can't do their job and and fulfill the law of the land. You know, the Washington Post. I mean, you can't make this up. They're actually praising the facilities with bars on the windows where you could barely see out to begin with, uh, calling them colorful, colorful trailers at the entryway where flowers and butterflies and handmade posters all hang on the walls. I'm like, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Um, now, what's interesting about this, this came up yesterday with White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, and she was asked about this by Peter Ducey, and she defended the reopening of these facilities for unaccompanied migrant children. The very thing liberals, the mob, the media complained about in 2018. It's the same facility that was open for a month in the Trump administration, summer 2019. That is when Joe Biden said, under Trump, there have been horrifying scenes at the border of kids being kept in cages. And Kamala Harris said, uh, basically, babies in cages is a human rights abuse being committed by the United States government. So how is this any different than that? We very much feel that way. It's not under Trump. It's under Biden. This is not kids being kept in cages. This is this is kids. This is a facility that was opened that's going to follow the same standards as other HHS facilities. It is not a replication. Certainly not. That's that is never our intention of replicating the immigration policies of the past administration. They built cages. You know, they used to say I built the cages and then they had a picture in a certain newspaper and it was a picture of these horrible cages. And they said, look at these cages. President Trump built them. And then it was determined they were built in 2014. That was him. Sponsor they did that? it. We, we changed. did not. They built the cages. The, they, who, who built the cages, let's, Joe? Let's talk about who built the cages. About. Let's Joe. Talk about- Joe and Obama built the cages. I'll answer the question for Joe. And it's not even we're not even talking about mobile homes here. You know, those shipping containers that you see at at docks and ports of entry when when big ships drop their deliveries. That's what they are. They're shipping containers and the windows are tiny. And the windows, by the way, have bars on them. That's what they're now doing. Even Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez was at least fairly consistent until she backed away, blasting the Biden administration. I mean, it's just to me, if Joe does it, it's wonderful. If Obama does it, it's wonderful. If Trump does it, it's evil. It's horrible. It's, it's so disgustingly, nauseatingly sick how twisted and backwards and, and the hypocrisy and double standards and the mob and the media. They have no shame, the, the media mob. No shame at all. All right, let's get to our busy telephones here as we say hi to Brian, North Carolina. What's up, Brian? Glad you called, sir. Hey, Sean. Um, thanks for taking my call. Thank you for calling. Hey, um, just wanted to basically kind of talk about the, the spinelessness of the Republican Party and, and even conservatives. Um, you know, it seems like we never stand up for ourselves. Like we're more concerned about 
what is the liberal media going to say about us than we are about what are my constituents going to say about me? So what, what I mean is, you know, any one of our Republican representatives can get attacked by the media. They can get attacked by um, another senator, a, a liberal senator, or even a rhino senator. And, and our guys, I'll call them our guys, their first instinct is to go to the either apologize or, oh, you know, you're making a big deal out of nothing. They, they don't defend themselves. They try to make sure that they look good when they get put on liberal media shows. So they're more worried about what, is the, what does the liberal side think about me than they are worried about what does my side think about me. So it's like we have absolutely no backbone to stand up and say, hey, you know what, that's the way it is. None of them have learned from Trump, fight back. Give the truth. If they punch you, punch them back harder. Okay. Well, that, that, wait, be left. careful now. Now you're going to sound like Eric Holder. When, when they're, you know, no, no, when they're no, down, no, 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 no. kick them. No, no look, no. you're talking about, you're not talking about you punch back hard, meaning you fight politically. You're not talking about a physical altercation. I got it. I understand. Look, let me, let me tell you how I've been going over how simple conservatism is. What, what the things that I want, if it's a Republican Party or conservatives, I want them to fight for because it's good for the country. Peace through strength is good for the country. Free and fair trade is good for American workers. Getting rid of burdensome regulation allows economic activity and manufacturing jobs at home. Lower taxes benefits everybody because it stimulates economic growth and job creation. Secure borders so we have, are the masters of our own destiny. Okay, we, we can't take in the world's population. And we're allowed to have standards or merit-based immigration policies. We're allowed to protect our borders and our sovereignty and the laws of this land. Energy independence for national security reasons, for economic reasons. It benefits everybody. I want people that believe in the Constitution on our bench. I believe in the First and Second Amendment uh, of our Constitution and every other one. And my point to you is that's it. It's not, it's not more complicated than that. That pretty much sums up what conservatives and what the Republican Party ought to stand for and the policies they ought to be fighting for. Why did, why did they try to make themselves look good, as you say, and suck up to a media that hates them? I don't know. But that's who they are. We, we now have, and I was talking a lot about this in the lead up to this past election, we have powerful institutional forces that are aligned to stop any conservative from ever implementing the policies that will be successful so they can take what is by far the most radical, extreme socialist agenda and shove it down our throats and make promises that will never be fulfilled that will result in more poverty and it will result in our freedoms slowly being chipped away until they're you know there's there we don't have the freedom we once had that's what matters to me that's why elections matter that, that those policies implemented and fought by trump they were successful why can't they just answer that way? I don't know. I'm not. This is not brain surgery, Brian. I'll give you the last word.
Well, I, I was just going to say, I mean, to take an example, I mean, what you just said about, you know, the border and, and illegal immigration, you know, we have this wave coming. And, and what happens? You, you go on TV and you see these Republicans getting hit with questions. Oh, don't you care about the children? Oh, don't you care about these illegals who've come over and, and who've been here for five years? And they've, they've been good citizens and blah, blah, blah. They should say, instead of saying, well, you know, I agree with you, and yes, they've been good people, what they should say is, um, excuse me, we have laws. We already have an immigration system. There are legal ways of coming here. We need to enforce that. And stop right there. Stop worrying about, oh, well, the liberal side is going to look at me as, oh, I don't care about children. I don't care about families. I don't care about blah, 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 the Ecuadorians. I don't care about Paraguayans. I don't... No, that's not what they're saying. And they need to stop worrying about that. And they need to understand, too, that when they do kind of kowtow to the, to the liberal side and say, well, no, of course I worry about those three-year-old children who are coming and getting put in cages. No, they should say, that is not what we're discussing. What we are discussing is the American law, the legal system, and the legal system says that you come here legally. We have a process. You apply for citizenship. You go through that process just like everybody else who came here. You know, forget the emotional side. That's what they, they allow themselves to get trapped into the emotional side of it. And because all they're worried about is what is the other side going to think about me? And the funny thing is they need to understand just like Trump did. He's not going to win people on the other side. The people on the other side are on the other side for a reason, because they think that way. You're not going to change their minds. You're, you're not. But you are going to lose people on our side if you keep saying, okay, well, I'll give up this. I'll give up this. It's kind of like saying, hey, I'm going to give up my principles because you don't want me to do something. So I'll meet you halfway. Listen, this is a philosophical divide. There is a great divide. There's, there is, and I, I'm going to let you go because we have a lot of people standing by, and I appreciate a, a thoughtful call. But I will tell you, there is, the left wants no part of conservatism. The left doesn't understand conservatism. They've never wanted to understand it. And at the end of the day, uh, statism, socialism always becomes authoritarianism. You know, who, who's trying to cancel everybody? It's not conservatives. It's the left in America. We live in a, in a world of nothing but pure propaganda, lies, conspiracy theories, agenda driven opinion that is cloaked as news. It's not news. It's lies and propaganda and conspiracy theories. And then we get, we're the ones that get attacked. We're, we're the people that they want off the air forever and, you know, never to be seen or heard from again. Let's get back to our busy phones. Uh, long call, but I, I thought worthwhile with Brian. Um, let's say hi to Natalie is in Utah. Natalie, hi. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you, Sean? I'm good. What's going on? Thanks for taking my call. First of all, can I just real quick say how much I I just want to put a shout out to Rush and my appreciation for him. And I didn't know it until he died. I have listened to him ever since I was a little girl with my mom. And when Catherine came on and announced it and I was listening I just cried because it hit me. What a big loss we've experienced. Anyway, that's all I want to say. Well, but you know, going forward, he's, I keep saying nobody can replace him. Nobody. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I've been saying really to everybody job, though. <laughs> that it's time for all of us to up our game. Well, what I wanted to say today was just, I talk about my frustration with how things just seem to never change, especially on the left, but both sides. I mean, they've, you can trace everything back all the way to Karl Marx. 
back and then to the feminine mystique, Saul Alinsky, Frank Marshall Davis, all the way to Obama, who's now, I feel like, pulling the strings of Biden and his administration. I mean, it's all, they've renamed it progressive movement, social justice, but it's all just going back to communism and Marxism. And Lenin himself said the goal of socialism is Marxism is to achieve communism. And so I don't understand how people aren't seeing this. Their goal is to divide us as a nation, to destroy morality, Christianity, everything the Founding Fathers built, everything you list every day on your show. They're all against it. They just want to destroy it, and they're coming for our First and Second Amendment rights, and they want to take away and indoctrinate our kids. I don't know how people can't see what's going on, and I'm, I'm glad that maybe they're, doing, they're going so far with the overreach that people are waking up. But I'm worried that it's going to be too late by then. By the time they the, the, the damage is going to be real. The damage. Look, look at the covid bill that we've been exposing and all the waste, fraud and abuse and corruption involved in that. I mean, the damage will be real. Undoing the damage. I, I it, at some point we get to a point of no return. Natalie, that's what scares me. Yeah, people will wake up and say, oh, I, I guess socialism doesn't work as promised. I guess these promises I mean, did people ever really wake up and and understand completely that millions lost their doctors and plans and everybody's paying 200% plus more? Did they ever just acknowledge that failure, that they, that they can't even educate our kids, Democratic-run states and cities? They can't maintain law and order? Why would we trust them with anything else? Anyway, 800-941-SEAN. Uh, when we come back on the other side, Jim Gray. He's known Tiger Woods since he's seven. Next. Traffic collision, ELS now. Person's trapped. Sheriff on scene, Hawthorne Boulevard. Ellis Freddy's Drive North. Vehicle off the side of the road. Hey, ma'am, do we have an uh, ETA for fire? We have a rollover with someone uh, trapped. Hey, I'm going to need uh, a unit to uh, accompany the ambulance transport to HDH, please. All right, as we uh, heard yesterday uh, and mentioned at the top of the program yesterday, Tiger Woods turns out that he literally shattered his tib and his fib and and ankle. I mean, pretty significant injuries and it needed rods and screws. And 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 even the doctors and others said it was a miracle that he survived this crash. Um, you know, our friend Jim Grace, I mean, 12 time Emmy Award winner. That tells you everything you need to know about our friend Jim Gray. He's written this great book. I've read it cover to cover. Talking to Goats, the greatest of all time. Likes of Brady, the likes of Muhammad Ali, uh, Mike Tyson. He's friends with. You were friends with Tiger. You first met him when he was seven, you told me last night. I know you've told me in the past, and you write about it in the book. That's correct, John. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, known Tiger virtually, uh, you know, since he was just a, young, a youngster, coming up on 40 years. Uh, he'll be 46, so... 39 years, and uh, just so thankful today, really, that uh, he has survived this crash, and, and while his injuries are, are significant, they're not life-threatening, and while the surgeries uh, may imperil uh, us seeing him play golf uh, anytime soon, if, if again, we just don't know, but uh, at least he's going to be able to hug his children and, 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 and be able to be alive and, and, and continue to contribute to, in, in other ways, and uh, from where we were yesterday at this time, Sean, to where we are today, uh, things have gotten a whole lot better. Oh, thank God, and I only wish him and his family the best. <clears throat> you know, there is this this dark side of the human experience that people seem to revel almost in other people's pain. 
when the story broke about the 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 accident the first time and and the DUI the first time and all these stories start coming out about Tiger and I I just I I I, I stood back I watch I kind of stay out of people's lives that part of or portion of people's lives but and I don't think people will really understand this if you're the greatest at anything really the greatest there's enormous pressures that I would argue, and I'm, this is not excuse-making. We're all responsible for our behavior, our choices in life, and you can't blame somebody else when you make bad choices, right? But at the, on the other end of this, fame, I don't think, is cracked up to what people think it is, uh, number one. Being the, the best at anything, a lot of pressure that, that a lot of people might not be able to relate to or understand now they're well compensated for the for the great talents that they show us either on the football field, baseball field, boxing ring, octagon, or golf course. But there's there's is a, a real underbelly of difficulties associated with all of that, all of those gifts. Does that make sense? You're absolutely right. And the pressure is external and internal. The external pressure is now the social media age that we live in, where Every single movement is documented. You're basically on camera for your entire life. Or you are subject to having things said about you and people relating instances that were never public before. So, you know, every single thing that you do is being viewed through a microscope, and then it's being transmitted, amplified, and every pimple becomes a mountain. Then there's the internal pressure, Sean. Uh, Tiger Woods has been tormented for years by perfection because he's touched it, but he can't grab it. So he's had the perfect ground. He's had the hole-in-one. He's had the perfect tournament. He's won 15 majors, but he wants to do it again and again and again. So part of that torment of wanting to be perfect creates a joyless experience. So for the 14 of the 15 um, major championships, it didn't look like he was having any fun. Finally, to come back after not having won since 2008, all the way till 2019, a major, he finally let everybody in. So I write in the book, Talking to Goats, how a legend became a human, okay? How a legend came back and let everybody finally share in his joy, share in that experience. And if you saw the fans, the patrons at Augusta National, when he won that tournament. Oh, it was such a great... All those uh, guys hit the ball in the uh, in the water on twelve and, and <laughs> put it up there on the green, and they all felt the pressure. And he just knew how to do it, and came up there and celebrated, and then hugged his son Charlie, uh, just yeah. like Earl had hugged him. And and then he walked down to the clubhouse, and everybody was lined up, and he was raising his fists and high fiving, and he hugged his competitors. Used to be he resisted his competitors because they yeah. were competitors. Now he brought them all in, so everybody shared in that. So. There had been a, a, a change in the way that Tiger had approached things, having gone from a peak to the, to the ultimate valley uh, and then back up to the top. So, you know, when we see this happen to him yesterday and you talk about pressure, yeah, there's been a lot of internal and external pressure, and it's hard to live. Julius Irving said this to me, the great Dr. J. Said Dr. This J. 35 years ago, Sean. He said, do you know anybody who is truly successful or at the very top of their profession that doesn't have one major quirk or flaw in their personality. Wow. 
That's such a profound thing to say. I I say it a little differently. I, I look at the, the best in these industries. And, and look, I'm going to be honest. You're the best at what you do also. Um, and you've had a phenomenal career. But I see a lot of the most talented people. Their blessing is their curse. And you might say, well, come on. You got, you got, I don't know, planes, trains, automobiles, a big house, blah, blah, blah. But there's another side of it. You know, I've also learned in my life, too, that I don't care who you are, where you come from. You don't go through this life. And this, this transcends socioeconomics in every way without struggle. Life, I believe we're all created by God. I believe in natural rights. I believe that, that these gifts that we all have are God-given. A good education lets us flourish and, and let that, lets that natural talent come out. And then beyond that, it's, it's what we choose to do, the choices we make thereafter. And, and a lot of people make a lot of bad choices in the course of their life. Well, when you talk about the blessing and the curse, you know, a lot of people say, but why couldn't he get that aspect of his life right? Or why did he venture off into that? Or why is she doing this? But guess what? If you alter the makeup of the brilliance and the genius, and you try and tone down something or change something elsewhere, then you're not going to have the same result in the area which you love, in the area which they have excelled, in the area where they are now excellent. Because if you do that, then you've altered the makeup of what they are that are allowing them to achieve that excellence. So, you know, everybody doesn't always have the entire package. Who does? Who with... Who, who out there uh, isn't, is perfect? Well, none of us are. We all have quirks. We all have flaws. We all have warts. We all make mistakes. And we try and become better tomorrow than we were yesterday. Okay? No. So you know, one of the, and, that's what's going you, on here. And in every single case, in every, every person that you profiled in your great book, Talking to Goats, Greatest of All Times, all these incredible experiences you've had, talking to the greatest athletes ever, in their in top of their profession it's interesting this other side of them i mean when you tell the story about mike tyson and mike tyson you know you write him when he's in jail and he sends you back this letter that he allowed you then later to reveal you to know if it was a private letter or whether or not you could disclose it and he let you disclose it It it's pretty profound well when he was convicted of rape and and he went for his sentence he wrote me a five-page letter it arrived at my house inexplicably it was opened by the indiana youth penitentiary because all of the mail that is sent out they check to make sure that while it's sent out that it's okay to be received so i got the letter obviously opened and i got to the second page handwritten letter and that second page said i will never admit to this rape if i was to admit to it they will let me go tomorrow but i will never admit to something I didn't do. Next paragraph, he said, however, Mr. Gray, that's what he always called me, there are four or five other things that I've done throughout the course of my life that are worse than what I'm accused of. Therefore, I feel I'm at the right place at this time. So I asked him about that when he allowed me to do the first interview with him when he came out of jail. I said, is this a private letter or a public letter? He said, you can ask me anything you want. So I asked him that question, what was worse? Well, he looked at me, looked over at his lawyer, and then he said right into the camera, he said, it's probably best not to answer this on national television because I don't know the statute of limitations. However, what I wrote you is true. What are the common themes you see in all of the goats, all of the greatest of all time? They all have a myopic 
view. They all have hard work and dedication, but they all are determined to be the best. They all go about it in different ways, but they will not ever stop until they achieve what it is that they want to attain. Many and all of them don't go forwards and backwards. As many Super Bowls as Tom Brady has won, he's also lost Super Bowls and not gotten to the Super Bowl. Well, yeah, he's, 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 he's been a starting quarterback 18 years, played in 10 Super Bowls, won seven of them, lost three. Those yeah. other eight years, he didn't get there. So, you know, it, it, it isn't always a victory that you learn from. You can learn a lot from your defeats, okay? Look at Michael Phelps, for example. Michael Phelps, Sean, spent his entire adult life staring at a black line underwater yeah. to Crazy. somehow try and figure out how to have a fingernail touch before some guy someplace else in the world does. Crazy. It's insane. The amount of work exactly. that goes in to, to be at the highest level or even a high level at any sport, it is a, a, a you. By the way, who wants to jump in a cold pool every morning Could and spend hours going back and forth and back and forth? I, I, I could never do it. But, you know, when he's winning all his gold medals, I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. I love winning, you know, and. Yeah, it's, um, but he's talked about mental health issues, uh, his HBO documentary, and he's very mm-hmm. involved with that now. And, and you know you have to have tremendous compassion and understanding because he's the most decorated Olympian in the history of the Games, the most gold medals and the most medals. Crazy. But it's a no. price to be paid for being great. All right, quick break. We'll come back. More on the other side with our friend Jim Gray, uh, 12-time Emmy Award winner. Amazing. His best-selling book, Talking to Goats, Uh, All the greatest athletes in their day, in their time, and people we all admire and respect. Quick break. Right back. More with Jim on the other side. And as we continue, broadcaster Jim Gray, his best-selling book, by the way, Talking to Goats, Greatest of All Time. And he knew Tiger Woods since he was seven. Let me ask you to go back to Tiger for one more minute. I watched that that, that two-part series episodes on Tiger that everyone talked about. I watched it all. Mm -hmm. I have my own thoughts thoughts on on how i interpreted some of that but i don't want to taint your opinion i want to hear your raw unadulterated straightforward opinion on what you thought of the series and what did you learn about tiger that maybe you didn't know i didn't like it It i didn't like it either bothered me too bother it bothered me tremendously and i didn't like that happening on national television i mean you know it, it 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 was just so uncomfortable to see particularly the second part where they're following Tiger in a parking lot to see what he's doing, you know, know. having uh, an affair with somebody, you know, that should be between him and his wife and the other woman who he's, who he's having the affair with. So it was just extremely uncomfortable. Uh, I'm not sure that it had anything to do with his golf prowess or his greatness. Um, it was, it was, it was voyeurism and it was, it was very uncomfortable to me. Some of the things in the first episode were interesting uh, about his father and Earl, uh, a lot we knew. What did knew. you think Some of that part? Know. That part intrigued me a lot. Some of it was quite interesting. Um, I, I, again, I don't think, you know, him having a camper outside at the driving range uh, where he's doing whatever he may be doing is, you know, necessarily germane or have, you know, it, it, it's just uncomfortable. I just, I just didn't, I, I didn't like it. I, I um, it's, it's so funny because I walked, I, I, I watched it. Um, because I really want, I was fascinated by it, and I... I'm, I was I'm, sorry I watched it. That's actually a good thing. To, I actually feel the same exact way. I didn't want, I wish I didn't see what I saw. 
I was sorry. And, I and that includes the young years, and that includes the older years. Although, yeah. if you see the young years, you begin to maybe have a little more nuance in your brain about things that transpired when he got older. And I also think it's very, very hard. I mean, we're all helicopter parents today. It's not like when we were kids. You know, I come home. My parents had no idea where I was ever. And these when you athletes got in trouble as a hard. kid, when you got in trouble as a kid, how were you punished? What happened? Oh, my father! I got the belt. He beat the crap out of me. And I and I'll say and I'll let me add this: I deserved it every time, every single time. It's not like it's it's not like he had a bad temper. And he'd always say the same thing afterwards. <laughs> he'd go, he'd feel terrible and be like, "I don't want to ever do this. Why don't you just listen?" The next day, my mother would say, "Don't leave this house." And I'd turn around and say, "You can't stop me," and I'd leave. Wait till your father gets home. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was incorrigible. You know what they say in the South about you? You lived in Georgia. You're a tough dog to keep underneath the porch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, if, I know you'll talk to Tiger in the coming days. But just, just say that. You know, there's many of us praying for him, praying for his family, his kids, and everybody in his life, and we only wish him the best, and and uh, hope we have a speedy recovery in his case. We sure do. He's given us so much, and uh, now we can give him our prayers, our thoughts, and, and just hope for a full and speedy recovery. Jim Gray, you're a good man. By the way, talking to goats, if you haven't gotten it, it's such a good read. You're going to learn so much. I loved it. I couldn't put it down. Uh, we'll so put much, it up John. on Hannity.com. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. So Alaska Senator Lisa Murkowski, um, well, I mean, she bragged about the fact she didn't vote for Donald Trump in November. She, of course, went against the president in impeachment. Uh, Donald Trump, through his energy policies, created energy independence in this country with high-paying career jobs that go along with them uh, for the first time in 75 years. Now, energy is crucial to Alaska. It's critical to Alaska. And Lisa Murkowski is now, you know, remember, she bragged she didn't vote for Trump. Okay, now she's sounding the alarm about Biden's oil restrictions and, and pressing his interior secretary nominee, uh, Deb Holland is her name, or Halen is her name, on an executive order she says targets her state. Quote, when we see these executive orders coming out of the White House, well, that not only impacts a, a resource-based state like Alaska, but actually calls us out by name, she said during this confirmation hearing. You know, we're, we're one of only two states in the nation that were specifically targeted by Biden's Day one executive order well, It's not just your state. It's let's see. It's a lot of states and a lot of workers and a lot of people in the energy sector. Um, now, she didn't seem to be referring to Biden's executive order directing the Interior Department to place a moratorium on oil and gas leasing activities and exploration in the in Anwar, the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. She goes on to say that she didn't think that Biden was out to get Alaskans, but she does think there's a definite threat to the resource industry that our state is blessed to be able to host. And then asked Point Blitz, so if you're confirmed to this very significant position, what will be your approach going forward with regards to oil, gas, mineral resource development within a state like Alaska? Well, she got the response 
and said she would like to continue working with Murkowski and help Alaskans get the opportunities, quote, they need. I know that President Biden doesn't want to cripple any state. Well, he's he's crippled how many people have been fired from high paying career jobs in the energy sector. Lisa Murkowski, not that she's listening to this show, um, your lack of a vote for Donald Trump resulted in what will be a lot of economic pain for your state. And okay, it's a half a vote for Biden, at least if you didn't just outright vote for Biden, which I wouldn't be surprised if you did. Um, You have yourself to blame. Let's get to our phones. Alex is in North Carolina. Alex, glad you called. How are you, sir? What's going on? Uh, Doing fine. I'm a retired sergeant major with 33 years in the military. I just recently retired. We lose 23 veterans a day to suicide, and this is a national treasure that we're losing. That's so sad. The problem I have right now, Mr. Hannity, is a lot of them, it's it's jobs. They can't get jobs. And now it's it's even worse because now because of the president and what he's saying right now, it seems as if they're a national security risk. And I wish they would talk a lot better about our national treasures and what they do. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You know, you're you're bringing up a lot of good points here. And first of all, God bless every man, woman, anybody that serves in our military, all the people that have served in our military. The, the cost that they have paid for our liberties and freedoms is so high. And that's why it's so frustrating to see sure. we're going to now see a dramatic, you'll, you'll witness dramatic cuts on the military spending side of the budget. You already see that Biden is positioning now to get another seven, what, billion dollars out of South Korea to give the Iranian mullahs. We're back to appeasement of the mullahs in Iran again. I mean, the, the, the person that defeated the caliphate, that was Trump. The guy that took out Soleimani, that was Trump. Baghdadi and Associates, that was Trump, too. And the Al Qaeda leader in Yemen. Now, what's the what was the big policy shift? One, there were a couple of them. Donald Trump built up our military, devoted the resources necessary to have the best equipment available for our men and women in uniform. The second thing he said is, no, we have new technologies and we're going to use a whole new Trump doctrine. And in, in, in as much as we're not sending kids door to door in Baghdad anymore, because there's no need to, because the technology is so sophisticated and advanced, we can press buttons in Tampa, Florida. And in Tampa, Florida, we can hit the head of a pin with the kind of accuracy we need to take out the enemy. And that, yes, that's how he was able to do it. They took off the rules of engagement handcuffs that Biden Obama put on. And, and these guys did their job. These young soldiers, if I may, uh, Mr. Henry, they, they don't make much money. They they rose their right hand and took a a pledge and hold to that pledge more so than most people in Congress. Most of them have secret, top-secret clearances. If they get out of the military, they can't find jobs. Now they're looked at, you know, even despairingly, they're, some of them might not even put they've served in the military on their, their resumes. And it's it's sad. We pass them on the streets. They, they're used as photo ops. You pat them on the back and then they move on. Our soldiers need to be. Well, I haven't heard that part of this, because if there's anybody that's discriminating against any any vet or any military member in any way, shape or form, 
I think the overwhelming vast majority of Americans would stand up and say, we're not going to tolerate that. That is true. Because they sacrifice a lot. Anyway, Alex, uh, a good reminder, my friend. Thank you. Florida, Amanda, next, Sean Hannity Show. How are you, Amanda? Hi, Sean. Thank you so much. I'm calling in to let you know, uh, I live in Orange County, Florida, and since the start of the pandemic, we've had a mask mandate. And I work with children with developmental disabilities, mental health diagnosis, and in that, they also have different medical diagnosis. And there are as a whole population of children and young adults and any people that literally cannot wear the surgical style face masks. And unfortunately, they're being discriminated against right now because they can't go anywhere. They can't go enjoy their memories. They can't go make memories. They can't do anything. And I definitely respect the right of private business. But it's it's amazing to me that you know, under ADA or anything like that, that there is no accommodations for these individuals when, in fact, the CDC recommends that persons with disabilities, nonverbal, or don't have the motor ability to remove a mask, not wear a face mask. You know, it's funny you're saying this, and and it's a little bit different, but I, I was at Walmart two weekends ago, and I was there to pick up specific items that I was given a list to pick up stuff, and I said, okay, I'll, I'll go, no problem. Uh, for somebody that I know and, and and a neighbor that needed some help. Anyway, so I go to the Walmart, the Super Walmart, and I go there, and the place, first of all, it's packed. To the, I mean, it is packed. Uh, when I finally get to the checkout line, it's a 20-minute wait. So I watch ahead of me, and, and you have kids here, there, everywhere, driving their parents nuts, and it brought back memories. I'm like, okay, I'm glad I'm out of that stage of my life. And... <laughs> And there was this one woman right in front of me the whole time. And this kid reminded me of me, you know, kind of a little hyper and not very focused. And the poor mom was trying the whole time to get this kid to wear the mask. <laughs> and, I'm, I'm, and I'm watching it. And, she, and I could tell that she felt a pressure to get the yeah. mask on the kid because somebody's going to say something. So finally, I just kind of gently said, he's such a great kid. What a beautiful child you have. And I said, "Um, he's not going to wear the mask. Don't worry about it. Nobody's going to say anything. And if they do, I'll stick up for you. And I could tell like, oh, because she was trying so hard to keep the mask on. And it was was an impossible task. This kid was not going to keep his mask on. It wasn't going to happen. It wasn't. And but you're right. I mean, it's restrict. There's got to be common sense behind every, quote, law. And we don't use common sense. You can't apply common sense. And, and that's, you know, that, that does get frustrating at times. And I bet it's been very difficult for the kids you're describing. I'm sad to hear that. It has been. And for, you know, the children that are verbal, you know, it's not that these families don't want to comply and not be safe. They just want another option. They want to be able to go to see Christmas lights um, because they, you know, because th- they want to enjoy memories of the family. They're trying to make do with what we can right now with COVID in a safe manner. But because they're, you know, a child cannot wear loop around their ears, you know, covering nose and mouth, and there's no other options. You know, these families and these children are missing out. And I hear Biden say we're going to be in masks till 2022. And then I hear Dr. Fauci and Biden say, well, now we need to double masks 
And these children are not only, I mean, they're going to. It ain't going to work. I'm just, listen, what was the point of the vaccine? This is why I've had it with Fauci. I tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. I really tried. But everything with him now is political, and he's been wrong pretty much on everything. The guy they had a lot more right than Dr. Fauci was a guy named Donald Trump, who he enjoys beating up. But, you know, you're calling our attention to something important, Amanda. I wish you the best. God bless you. I mean, I'm sure you have a heart of gold and the patience of Job. It's very hard to be a teacher and uh, and do what you're doing, though. So thank you for what you do every day. Loving on those kids. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Now, Linda has five-year-old Liam. And I'll tell you why I love Liam. Liam is all boy. Liam is, I mean, he throws snowballs at mom. He, mom says, no, 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 Liam. No, don't, don't stand on top of the couch and jump. No, I, 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 oh, I told you not to jump. Am I describing this, this kid the right way? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> you know what? And he reminds me of me as a kid. So I have a, and, and it, you have a lot of patience. You don't have patience for people, adults, but you have a lot of patience for Liam. Um, and it's just when I, you know, when I would hear conversations, I'm cracking up. I think it's the funniest thing ever. And I'm like, you know, I'm on speakerphone one day, Liam, mama, mama, mommy's on the phone. Mommy's on the phone. Liam, one, two. Oh, he listens to the one, two, three now though. When did that happen? That's a, that, I don't, I don't know, actually know, honestly. You it's, never got to three. That was the thing. Well, that's the point. You're not supposed to get to three because three means One, you have to get two, the consequences. And then, but you'd go back and then you'd say, Liam, I told you what happens if I get no, to I three. No, I never went back. I just then was you'd a go, new infringement. One, two again. And then, Liam, what happens at three? One. <laughs> you would always go to one, two and never get to three. Well, lucky for him. He listened to two. He's a good <laughs> listener. It's okay. No, it wasn't. You would go back and recount. It's like, no, 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 no. It just meant he did something else wrong. It's a new thing wrong. So you start over, you know, start at the beginning. But I just, I just love kids being kids. Yeah. Well, now they're not. Now they're trapped in masks for eight hours a day for Uh, a disease. How's Liam doing with the mask? It's horrible. You know what he said to me the other day that broke my heart? I was showing Mm. him a picture of something. I said, oh, this is uh, snow tubing. Maybe we should try that. It was just Mm. a picture on a website. What do you think of this? And I'm showing it to him because he's kind of young. And he goes, where are their masks? And I oh, thought, oh, grief. dear God. I'm like, yeah, buddy. You know, this is, uh, this is normal. This is yeah. not. This, what we're doing no, is not it's normal. sad. I mean. It's disgusting. It's child well, abuse. It, look, in one of my kids' cases, you know, all the friends, they, they lost their senior year of high school and their freshman year of college. And it's, you know, it just, it, that part saddens me. Look, I, I, the one thing that we got right and throughout all this and Fauci and company got everything wrong is that the one thing that never changed is older people, if you're below 70 and you get this thing, it's 99 point whatever percent, you're not going to die from it. It may suck for a while, but you're not going to die. Older people, pre-existing conditions, compromised immune system, comorbidities. Now, are there exceptions? Yes, there are exceptions. But that was mostly that, that is a one thing that they actually that never changed. And these young kids are there exceptions. There are rare exceptions. But like the college kids that come home from school. I mean, you know what it's like to try and keep masks on these kids? Forget it. They're not. I, believe me, I've tried. And there's only so much. There's only so far you can get it anyway. Um, I agree, glad, boss, wholeheartedly. Yeah, but I, I just kids. Um, It'll be forgotten. 
It'll be long for I hope so, because I'm telling you one thing. Me and lots of other parents are at our end, and I've had just about enough. The lady was such a nice lady. And, and when, I, when I finally said that I kind of, I, I totally get what you're going through. Don't worry about it. Oh, people know better. People look at me. If my son takes his mask off, you, God help you if you say something to me today. <laughs> Keep it moving. There's no conversation happening here. You don't need to look at my child. Keep going. Oh, my gosh. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Herschel Walker, will he run for Senate? I'm trying to lead that campaign, but don't tell him. Uh, Leo Terrell at the Leo Terrell 2.0. Laura Trump will join us. Governor Christy Nome, Dana Lash, Matt Gates, and much more. News you won't get from the mob. Set your DVR. Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern. As always, thank you for being with us. We'll see you tonight. We'll see you back here tomorrow.